Hey guys, Matt here. Before we begin this episode of Tower Junkies, I just want to mention that we are currently running a contest where you can win a free Tower Junkies t-shirt. The contest runs from now until January 1st, 2018, and if you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a rating and a review of the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, take a screenshot of the review, and email it to matt at obsessiveviewer.com with the subject line Tower Junkies T-Shirt Contest. On January 1st, I'll randomly select a winner from the entries and we'll get a free T-Shirt mailed to them. We'll be accepting entries until December 31st at midnight, so make sure you get the email in before then. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy this week's episode of Tower Junkies. You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is Tiny. Hi, Tiny. Hello, friends. How's it going? Magnificently. Great. And do you want to tell the listeners what we're going to be doing today? Uh, today we're going to be talking about Jake Chambers, the yes. famed member of the Quartet. Yes. Uh, Jake Chambers from the Dark Terror series. Right. <laughs> yeah, today is going to be all about him. It's part of our on our, our ongoing series of which we've had one episode, um, <laughs> all about the uh, Katet, uh character by character. So right. um, so today's episode is going to be all about uh, Mr. Jake Chambers. So, uh, of course, the way we're going to do it is that we're going to have a non-spoiler discussion just about broad the broad characterizations of the character, and then we'll go into a more um, spoilerific spoiler uh, section and, uh, and then kind of... Uh, Go from there. We will, um, we will prompt you when we, uh, go into spoilers. So no worries there. Um, so yeah. So before we do that, as we like to do on this podcast, Tiny, do you have any King check ins, anything Stephen King related that's going on in your life? I do. I wish it were more advanced than the last episode. Uh, mm-hmm. but I have started different seasons. That's it. Oh, nice. I barely started it. Okay. Um, I've just been, uh, my work schedule's been nuts. I mm-hmm. kind of got a semi-promotion. Nice. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So it makes my schedule a little crazier. And so I, mm-hmm. instead of reading, I've been like goofing off on the phone. Oh, gotcha. At night and at work. Okay. Instead of, <laughs> instead of reading. So uh, I will try to get back on track with that. Where are sure. you in the King verse, sir? In the King verse, uh, Sigh. where am I? Oh! Hey. Um, I, man, I, okay. So I wanted to finish Sleeping Beauties as soon as possible mm-hmm. so that we could review it, which that's what we'll be doing in a couple weeks. Okay. Um, but I have been just kind of slogging through it. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. And it's not so much that I'm not interested in it because I am actually quite interested in it. And I keep wondering, uh, you don't have to say it or anything, but, 
I remember you saying like it reminds you of another another one of King's novels, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of wondering like which one. Okay. Um, and I think I've I think I've got it narrowed down, but I'll we'll talk more about it when we review it. Okay. Um, but I'm about halfway through it at this point, and it's it's uh I mean it's it's interesting, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh where it leads. It's just I've had less time to really get into uh, audiobooks uh lately because I've been doing three different podcasts right and right. uh also playing a lot of video games yeah um i get it another yeah. silly kind of check-in and mm-hmm. i don't know if you want to post this to the instagram page or the mm-hmm. twitter feed or whatever but um i was uh, i'm trying to like my big winter project at our house is to like redo our basement mm-hmm. and i'm working nice. on the floor and uh, i'm going to redo the floor and i was like scraping up these like linoleum tiles okay and i gave myself a nice little blister on my hand it oh yeah hurt really bad (laughs) um but as it started to heal like the lines on my hand like you know the natural creases that occur in your hand from movement and what have you Mm -hmm. um the blister formed i'm not getting into the shape of an h yeah and it made me think of Ben Hanscom being attacked by Henry Bowers mm. when he's a kid and Henry Bowers carving the H in his stomach. And I was just like, is this a sign? <laughs> you know, is Pennywise going to pop out of the drain in our basement? Right. You know? He probably will. So you should definitely have <clears throat> he nightmares will, about yeah. that. So yeah, I sent Matt a picture of it and yeah, maybe you can post that or something. Yeah. If you really want to. It's, it, it genuinely surprised me. I was like, how, how does that happen? <laughs> like it was weird. Yeah. Okay. Fucking badass scar. <laughs> Not really. If, <laughs> I mean, if you want to think, if you want to thank that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> God. Anyway. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe I'll put that on the uh, Instagram or, you know, whatevs. Kyle Wills it. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,. I thought I had one more King check-in. I don't know, but do you want to do you want to share with the listeners another King check-in that you had tonight? Oh yeah, I recently was gifted a Tower Junkies T-shirt. A Tower Junkies T-shirt? Yeah, from T Public. Yes. Dot com. That's something that you can find on T Public dot com in the Obsessive Viewers merch store. Totally. That is so awesome. I Who feel is official the... now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who? How, how, where'd you get that from? Uh, the benefactor was one Matthew William Hurt. Hey, that's me. <laughs> Middle name in me. Um, <laughs> steal my identity. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, uh, that's also my that's also my uh, Twitter password. Oddly enough. Anyway, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, I had gotten myself a, a Tower Junkies shirt as well, and. Uh, yeah, they came out really good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two versions on the website. One is the logo with the um, tagline, a podcast discussing Stephen King and the Dark Tower. And then one is just the logo that just says Tower Junkies with two uh, gun symbols mm-hmm. or, or drawings, images. Um, renderings. <laughs> renderings. Yeah, so go check that out. Buy, buy a shirt. And also, um, we're still giving away a shirt. If uh, you want to give us a um, iTunes rating and review and email it to us. Um, all right. So this week we're going to be talking about Jake Chambers in a non-spoiler and spoiler 
uh, discussion. So first up, let's just kind of talk about our broad feelings about the character in the series and uh, in, in broad terms without spoiling the greater elements of the Dark Tower. So, Tiny, when it comes to the Dark Tower and Roland's Cotet, um, the Cotet of 19 or the con- the Cotet of 99 mm-hmm. or the Cotet of 1999, <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you feel about Jake, Ch- Jake Chambers? Overall, uh, I feel like Jake is the the unofficial number two. Like <laughs> number two, you look so healthy and youthful. Um, <laughs> Frau, you look so <laughs> right. Um, no, but he's he is kind of like I feel like he's the right hand man. I feel like he is the the second most important member of the quartet, uh next to Roland, um, and. We'll get into why I feel that way and, and all that and, and later on in the episode, but, uh, he's, um, Jake is just such a fascinating kid. Um, I think Stephen King actually writes children quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, reference some of his other, his other books like, uh, Cujo mm-hmm. or, um, it, it, he writes kids very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, you know, that skill is on full display. And in throughout the series, and uh, and what's great about him is that he 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 feels like a kid sometimes, but a lot of the time he he's like an, he acts like an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of moments are made more tender, for lack of a better phrase, um, mm-hmm. because of the fact that there's a child present. Sure, I think I think the. Midworld is very bleak mm-hmm. uh, because it is moved on and it's in the process of moving on. Um, and so to add a little bit of a little ray of sunshine in the form of Jake Chambers, I think mm-hmm. softens the series for the reader uh, throughout it, uh, makes it more lighthearted and enjoyable. So I think he's important to the series for that reason. And, and you know, we'll get into all the reasons why he's integral to the story as well. Um, he's just a, a fascinating kid and a really good character. I think one of Stephen King's best characters, um, because of how critical he is to this story, which is the linchpin of all the Stephen King universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because of the fact that he's a fun character and he's well written and, uh, um, I hope my son is like Jake Chambers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even right. know if I'll have a son. Um, but no, he's cool. He's a nice kid and, uh, it's, it's really Stephen King. Stephen King's it with this kid a lot too. So, sure. which I think our listeners will know what what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, without getting into spoilers, yeah, he's he's just a, a fascinating character, and uh, he's he's I I think he's probably the second most important member of the content in my book. Yeah, and I uh, I, I agree with you to an extent, uh, or I mean, not to an extent, but I do. Uh, share a lot of those uh, sentiments. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the, in terms of the hierarchy of the quartet, I would put him just below Eddie. Okay. Um, but it's it's kind of hard to hard to gauge because he's you know, Roland Roland has such a uh, definable bond with uh, Eddie that's that's different from his bond with Jake and mm-hmm. and Susanna and everyone else. Um, and it's it's kind of tough. It's kind of a hard kind of thing to say because at times Jake is like the he's the he's the son. He's the right. child of it, and then Eddie's like the the older brother, adult figure, 
when Roland is is not around and stuff. Like when when Roland is not there to be to guide him. Eddie and Jake have this connection that it's a sibling kind of thing, right? Um, and kind sort of, an, of and like an unspoken sort of bond. Yeah, exactly, Brother, brotherly bond. Right, and uh, the connection between um, uh, Roland and Jake is is very strong because he's the introduction. Our introduction to the gunslingers, um, not necessarily through the eyes of of Jake, but there's a lot to the introduction or the introduction to the entire series that's contingent on the relationship between Jake and the gunslinger. Right. And it's something that Stephen King does well. I think when uh, we had Tony on to talk about the gunslinger uh, with me a couple of weeks, there was some, some slight shortcomings that he experienced with it. Um, just being that uh, it, uh, he didn't feel like the bond was that, that strong there, which he raised some really interesting points and, and I could definitely see where he was coming from, but knowing the context of the, whole story and everything it's it's gave me a different read of it when i whenever i revisit it right um but more in broad terms jake is uh i i love his the way that he is at times the child like you said he kind of softens the story for us a little bit Mm -hmm. but at other times he is a very precocious very uh um old soulish kind of character yeah 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 and i think a big a big thing or a big reason for that or a big, uh, yeah, big reason for that is that he is kind of the, I don't know if I would say, I don't know how I would characterize it. Maybe not an emotional anchor, but he's like the, he's somewhat of the linchpin between the entire quartet a little bit. Like he has this connection with like, with every member of the quartet that's very strong in and of itself. And granted they both, that like everyone has, it's a, it's a quartet. They're all connected and everything, mm-hmm. but it kind of seems since it seems like since uh Jake is a child it's kind of a more nurturing kind of thing like these are his role models and his his family and viewing the quartet through the eyes of Jake is is a little stronger than through uh through the eyes of other characters in the quartet just because he is this uh this child that's still kind of uh growing mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah yeah and I, and I like how he has this uh, that that connection kind of plays out throughout the the series. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing of note is um, Jake's kind of relationship with I would say his relationship with Ka. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I feel like all the different characters kind of uh, interpret it in different different ways or have different relationships. The the way they detect when Ka's at work, I guess, mm-hmm. and so. I feel like Jake has a special connection with Ka because of his life experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but right. Jake's been through a lot that I think, uh, he goes through a lot, I guess, that, uh, is the result of Ka being at work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he more so than the other characters ex- experiences that, um, you know, the actual, like, like destiny, like he, mm-hmm. he has more, I think he has more of a destiny with Ka than some of the other characters do. Like, I think, I think, um, Eddie is very good at, 
detecting when Ka is being used. Because mm-hmm. Eddie's obsessed with, you know, 19 throughout the story. And he kind right. of, he's, he is arguably the best at picking up on like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jake just has this kind of like knowledge. Mm-hmm. He's almost like you said, old soulish in that way. Yeah. Um, because he, he's seen some shit. Right. Put it that way. Yeah. And so it's, I think that's, and then, you know, Roland, Roland is interesting because he, I feel like he has those same perceptions, but I feel like his relationship with Ka is like, it's just going to come and go. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's an extra, extra old soul because yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's been around the block for so long that mm-hmm. he's experienced Ka for so long that he doesn't even try to interpret it or understand mm-hmm. it or necessarily even acknowledge when it's being used. Cause the other mm-hmm. characters will be like, Oh, that guy's name has 19 letters in it. Or it's like, right. um, you know, the, the number 19 is popping up all the time and he's just like, yeah, it's, it's just Ka. Yeah. <laughs> right. Who cares? You yeah. know, like it's not, it's not a big, the number 19 is never really that big of a deal, but Roland. So right. it's just interesting how I feel like the different characters have their own sort of relationship with the will of Gan and, mm-hmm. and, uh, Jake is no exception to that. Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of touched on something that uh, I'm going to kind of roll with a little bit, but, um, their perception of Ka is really interesting. Like I'd never really given it much thought until just now, but like, um, at least between uh, among Roland, Jake and Eddie, like it is this interesting kind of trio of, of perceiving Ka. Like you have, like you said, like Roland is this guy who's just, he's been at the, uh, at the mercy of Ka for, for forever, um, so it's kind of just this thing that he's, that he's accustomed to and it just kind of, he kind of goes with the flow. And then Eddie is this person that has this brief, like fleeting, like experience with it. Like he has this, this, uh, this thought about it, but he doesn't really, um, his brain doesn't register exactly what it is. So like you right. said, the 19, he also has the wood carving thing that he doesn't really right. understand until it needs to be understood. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jake has, this he's more perceptive to all the like all of the ka elements of of their journey right but he like he's such a kind of precocious kid that he just kind of processes that and it's it's more like he's he's more uh, <laughs> he's one with the force right um, yeah he's one with the force and the force is with him yeah um <laughs> no i i would describe it quickly i would describe jake as a victim of ka Okay, yeah. That's what, that's how, which, and I, again, without going into spoilers, he, he has to, Ka acts on Jake a lot. Like, it's not just like Ka is present or, you know, I'm, I'm going with the flow of the river of Ka, if you will. It's like, mm-hmm. no, it's like, it's, it's like a force that hits Jake. It's not, it's not just getting caught up in destiny. It's, it's a lot more than that for him. And I would, mm-hmm. I would describe him as almost like a battered victim of Ka. Sure. Which is maybe a little extreme, but mm-hmm. that's, that just kind of comes to mind, I guess. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that for sure. Yeah. Um, is there anything really else to say in non spoilers? Cause we can kind of dance around it a little bit or we can dive right into right. more nuanced discussion. How do you feel um, about the mid world Jake versus New York city Jake? Because we get some interesting yeah, parts of both. That is that is a good uh, a good thing to bring up. I think I, it's funny because 
Um, like I said, I think Ka acts on Jake so much. And I think my favorite parts of some of my favorite moments from Jake Chambers is in drawing of the three when he's in New York. And uh, Wastelands. Wastelands when he's mm-hmm. in New York. Um, because I just, I just love the fact that he's, he's this kid consumed by this, this desire that he doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, he's like, he's not sure if he's going crazy or not. And he yeah. even questions like, am I insane? Why do I feel like I need to open all these doors? And on the other side of it, there will be another world that I, that's mm-hmm. where I truly belong. And he's like, but I open all these doors and nothing happens. And it's like, he thinks he's going nuts. That's, and to see that through the filter of a child mm-hmm. is just crazy. And it's it's like, I wanted to see that kind of stuff in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to see that. And that, that'd be visually challenging to, mm-hmm. it'd be challenging to achieve visually. Uh, but I think the right director could have pulled it off and the right crew right. and everything. Um, and those, those moments where he's, he feels consumed by his pull to Midworld. Mm-hmm. Those are some of my favorite parts of, of Jake's character progression. Um, yeah, mine too. Yeah. Cause I feel like once he gets to Midworld, he, he falls in line really well. Like mm-hmm. he picks up on the lingo, I think. And like he, he falls, I think he, I feel like he falls in line quicker than the other characters. Yeah. Um, who are pulled from, uh, Keystone earth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, so I actually, I almost, I think it's just, it's funny to see him. It's almost like he's born in New York, but he's almost like a fish out of water in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Keystone earth. Like he does, doesn't belong there. Like right. he's he's much more comfortable in midworld uh, amongst that his destiny, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I think it's 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 interesting to see him on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing with the wastelands, um, his his kind of distracted, kind of uh, not very present demeanor and everything in it is kind of in a with a lesser storyteller it would be almost tropish just the fact that like oh it's this kid who's consumed by this idea of the of this other world so i mean <laughs> uh but but king handles it very uh uh strongly like he he handles it well and it presents it presents itself in the uh in a in a very clear and and uh concise manner and everything. Mm-hmm. But if he wasn't, <laughs> if he wasn't as good a writer, then we would just get, you know, this kid that's, you know, complaining about dreams to a psychiatrist and then right. jumping through a portal after <laughs> typing in a couple letters. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, yeah. that could, I think that could be a story in and of itself, like separate or just like, a mm-hmm. if, if Stephen King were to write a story about a kid who was, uh, thinking he might be going crazy because he feels drawn to another mm-hmm. universe or another world like that right there is just a cool story in and of itself. Yeah. Like you could write a whole novel about that. Oh, yeah. I think. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I kind of love about the dark tower series is that you have these little nuggets of story that, that are like big plot lines throughout the series that alone could be their own full length novel. Like mm-hmm. the entire story of wolves of the Kala could be its own thing. Yeah. The whole Mia Susanna thing could be its own thing. Right. Father Callahan could be his own like novel yes. post Salem's lot. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there's and God. And yeah, that would, the whole thing with the way let, let's go into spoilers. Sure. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Yeah. Before we do that, I actually do have an email that I want to read 
from one of our listeners. And this comes in from Robert, who is actually, I believe he discovered us through my solo podcast anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, um, okay. So he, uh, he said, okay. So this comes from Robert. He is, uh, one of the listeners from anthology and is, and has has gravitated over to Tower Junkies. He's actually one of the Patreon supporters over in Anthology, oh, which is uh, yeah, which is super exciting because like he actually, as a small tangent, he actually chose the reward tier where he picks what my bonus review on Anthology will be once a month. Nice. So yeah, so it was really exciting. Hmm. Um, I just released that episode last week. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, Robert listened to Tower Junkies and he writes, Hey Matt, I've been listening to some episodes of Tower Junkies lately because Stephen King is one of my favorite writers and it seems like you are covering everything that interests me. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite books ever is The Stand and they keep teasing me with a four part movie, uh, but wish they would make like a 10 or 12 episode show on HBO or Netflix. Amen to that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm writing you because I listened to the latest episode you put out with Tony talking about the gunslinger. Don't hate me, but I enjoyed the Dark Tower movie, mostly just based off Idris Elba, one of my favorite actors, performance. I never read the Dark Tower series, but the movie intrigued me, and I wanted to see why everyone hated the movie so much. I listened to The Gunslinger, and like Tony, I found it very slow and hard to get through. So it was awesome to hear that I wasn't the only one that thought that. I have the drawing of the three, but haven't listened to it yet, because the first book turned me off a little. But after having listened to you and Tony talk about it, I'm going to listen to it as soon as I can. I wasn't aware of it being released in a magazine first, so that kind of explains a lot. Anyway, I'll email with my thoughts after I listen to it and can't wait for you to cover the stand in the future. Thanks for all the responses, and I feel like I have a friend across the country now. Keep up the great work, Matt. Uh, Very nice of him to say that. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, super nice, and it's 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 awesome. So anyway. Yeah. Um, well, in in yeah. response to that, and then also briefly in response to your uh, episode with Tony last mm-hmm. time, oh, yeah. um, Tony and uh, that gentleman both expressed their... Uh, lack of enthusiasm for mm-hmm. the gunslinger, and I just wanted to say I I pretty much agree with that. Oh, okay, like I think I, on I the, thought you were gonna say, and I just want to say fuck you. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to I wanted to echo that because you know being a huge fan of the series, um, I think on the totem pole of the seven books, you know, one being my favorite, seven being my least favorite. My least favorite number seven is Song of Susanna, but number six mm-hmm. is Gunslinger. I, yeah, I think it's. I'm. I'm not saying I don't like the book. I'm just saying I think it's. Uh, it's a little bit odd and a little disjointed and kind mm-hmm. of. It's we. You have said before how it's kind of like a preamble or a right. Uh, it's a just kind prologue. of s- prologue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I, I. For that reason, I find it a bit. Bit of an off-putting story in in the context of the series. So I actually agree with with mm-hmm. them. I do think it's a little bit dry and a yeah. little bit. Uh, disjointed and, and what have you. Um, so I, I agree with him on that. Just, I, I kind of wanted to throw that in since I wasn't on that episode and, right. and all that. So I, I agree with him. I, I completely understand that. I think it's a tough, it's a tough entry into the series mm-hmm. and it's, I think it kind of, I don't want to say it hurts the series overall, but I feel like if there was a better gateway, a better start to the series, I think more people might have found their way into it. Um, yeah. I'm going to agree with you there. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's, Cause it is, uh, I mean, it's a quick read and everything, but if mm-hmm. you're not, if you're not drawn into it, there's no reason, <laughs> there's no reason for you to continue on to the next one unless you have 
a podcast that's begging you to. <laughs> yeah. Or you have a friend who forces you into it or exactly. something like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so that is, that is, uh, unfortunate. And it's kind of tough because, I mean, now we have the movie that isn't going to really do any favors for, for yeah. people. Although Robert did say that he's interested in reading it. Uh, mm-hmm. now because of the movie and he actually enjoyed the movie, which is really interesting. Cause like, I mean, Hey, if you enjoyed the movie, more power to you. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious what, how his perception of the movie would, would shift throughout the, uh, him reading the books and everything. Yeah. So my hope is that he'll continue emailing us. So yeah, totally. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there real quick. Okay. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, should we go into spoilers for Jake Chambers? Let's do it. All right. So we're going to go into spoilers for our discussion of the character of Jake Chambers. We are going to be spoiling every book of the Dark Tower series. So if you haven't read it yet, go ahead and turn off this podcast and come back when you have finished the series. And I'll play a little bit of music here to get us settled into the spoiler section. And spoilers on for Jake Chambers, this discussion of Jake, Jake Chambers. So, Tiny, if in literature, mm-hmm. the character of Harry Potter is referred to as the boy who lived. Yes. Could we say that Jake Chambers is the boy who died, died, died? Yes, we could. <laughs> yes, because he dies a lot. That is a great moniker for him. Yes. The boy who died. Um he dies three times in this series. Yes. Poor freaking kid. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's what I was hinting at in the, mm-hmm. in the early part is his experience with Ka is that Ka is similar to destiny and we are all destined to die. Mm-hmm. Jake is destined to die three times. Right. And so like he, that means he comes back twice, arguably three times. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't experience that without being affected by it, I guess, obviously. But like I'm saying, you know, the, those, I feel like that experience in particular of having died twice in the series, uh, or I'm sorry, three times, but yeah, like twice leading up to his final death, right. Um, gives him so much experience and is such a huge impact on him as a person Mm -hmm. that I feel like those are, you know, those are some of the most integral parts of his character and other characters up to and including Roland mm-hmm. do not have that experience. And so that's what I feel like that is what makes Jake so unique is that he he's experienced death so much, unlike hardly any other person in the Stephen King universe. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's... It's crazy. Like that's that's what makes him so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And he's a kid. Like you know, it's not like it's like some old guy. Like it's not like Roland dies three times. Right. He's a kid. He never gets older than twelve years old. Right. <laughs> it's just it's just <laughs> insane. It just blows me away. Um, yeah. And that's that's. I wish I could tell people about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm trying to convince someone to get into the story, I'm like, there's a kid who dies three freaking times and comes back <laughs> and like helps save the universe. Like. Mm-hmm. How do you not want to read the? I wish I could tell people that because that is such an. If someone told me that, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go buy the book now because that's insane. Like, why? Right. Why have I not heard of this until now? You know, exactly. So that's that's the coolest thing about Jake, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, and it's it's really fascinating to me because, like we said, he does have this connection with Roland and and with the Cotet and Ka itself, 
and then when he what I love is that when he dies when uh first when he dies um uh under the mountains uh when when you know the famous go then there are other worlds than these mm-hmm. like when he comes back into the story in the wastelands um which we can talk more in depth about that because that's one of my favorite parts of the series but when he comes back to midworld and he's drawn back into midworld from the dutch hill mansion and uh he from that point on for a while he has and it's it recurs throughout the series he has moments where he's like will be in his head in his inner monologue and he'll be saying things like well roland would never let me drop again would he like like he has these doubts about whether or not he would be uh, whether or not Roland will sacrifice him and how he is like, he's Roland's surrogate son. Like right. th- his, uh, Roland is a surrogate father and like the, the bond that they have is very strong, but he has this very, he has this very real, um, concern because this man who, who is an integral part of his life and, and who loves him sacrificed him just so that he could get, information on how to get to the tower so that i love the way that that kind of lingers throughout the rest of the series as 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 the katet progresses on their journey i just i love how that's just this this little lingering thing kind of a chip on a shoulder yeah absolutely yeah um yeah and then we kind of going back to his drawing into midworld like the whole like we talked about in non-spoilers his whole journey in the wastelands is really fascinating to me because it plays with one of my favorite kind of science fiction tropes or, or uh, genres or uh, um, tropes, I guess. It's this time paradox, time travel kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because Drawing of the Three, Roland uh, uh, was in Jack Mort's mind, prevented him from killing Jake. So Jake, so Jake at that point now lives in 1977 and with the knowledge of him being killed right and it's just i i love the the spiral into like you said insanity yeah um and how that's mirrored with roland in midworld experiencing the same thing having caused the paradox right so like i love that journey in the wastelands because it kind of re reestablishes the bond that they have mm-hmm. and it almost to an extent amplifies it quite a bit yes. um, because in the gunslinger, we just get these two kind of wanderers. And then now we have these, these two, two characters that are intricately linked. And the first half of the novel is mm. <laughs> basically rescuing the kid and, right. and saving his and Roland's sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so did, now that we're in spoilers, did you want to kind of expand on that or did you have any more to say about it? Yeah, I think I agree with all, with everything you said. And I think that was, that was well put. Oh, thank you. Um, and, and I think another another notable aspect of that is that it kind of puts a timeline on it. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, it's it's not just it's not just a theory or suggested that they are that Roland and Jake are both spiraling, as you said, into insanity. Like it's they are. Like if if they if he doesn't straighten the timeline, if you will, or fulfill the destiny they're both supposed to come to, as you know joining into a cotet if if they don't get there in a certain amount of time they both would just kind of go crazy yeah because the human mind or the roland gunslinger mind is just <laughs> not equipped to deal with 
the reality of two timelines. Like mm-hmm. that's not your brain is not supposed to do that, and that's yeah. it's called a paradox for that reason. And it's, yeah. you can't keep that in your head and not go crazy, I guess. And so it's just it's it's a sense of urgency in the wastelands mm-hmm. uh, to get Jake into Midworld to correct to course correct that and mm-hmm. from keep to keep them from going crazy. And I think that's just another notable aspect that I find just just very really well done on Stephen King's part because it's mm-hmm. you have a sense of urgency it's like come on let's get him over here let's let's make this right um yeah it's it's just something i picked up on as i was reading it both times yeah and i was i was wondering i wanted to ask you do you think um so the first time jake dies jack mort pushes him in front of a car mm-hmm. and he uh, travels to or is transported i don't know whatever uh, wakes up in Midworld. Wakes up in the, Midworld, way the way station, right? Yeah. So, do you? I don't. I don't recall it being hinted at ever, but maybe I just didn't pick up on it. Do you think Jake was so not eager, but so willing to let Roland drop him underneath the mountain because he thinks that he was going to come back? Oh, that's an interesting question. He came back from his first first death. Mm-hmm. And he's aware of that in the gunslinger. Huh. So I wonder if he, again, I can't think of any lines or any, even any fan theories I've read or anything hmm. that suggests that Jake says, go then, there are other worlds than these, and accepts the fact that Roland should drop him and let him die. Does he do that because he thinks he's going to come back again? That's a really interesting question because I don't, I don't think there's anything in the text to, to give the impression that right. uh, that he thinks that he's going to come back, right? Um, I don't think so either. Yeah, but I don't think there's anything in it that explicitly states like, "Oh no, he knows that it's going to be the final one, right? The final death." Um, that's really interesting. I think that there yeah. is a way, like you can you can read into it that way, because mm-hmm. um, throughout the Gunslinger, there's a ton of um, kind of this foreboding sense that both characters <clears throat> know that it's this unspoken thing that they both know that he's going to be sacrificed. Like, mm-hmm. and it's one of the great things about the gunslinger is the way that man in black kind of taunts them about that. And yeah. I think that kind of to, I think the idea of this man just letting this child die kind of, kind of takes precedence over that. Yeah. Over that kind of read of it. But I mean, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's, Maybe that knowledge, this is going into more fan theory stuff, but maybe that knowledge or that thought that, yeah, he'll wake up somewhere else. Maybe that's what propels him to have that, yeah, that kind of conscious awareness of the dueling mm-hmm. timelines in his head. I have, I have kind of mixed feelings on it because on one hand, on the one hand, I think it sort of cheapens the sacrifice if he has that notion. Mm-hmm. It's, it cheapens the fact that he's willing to die to, mm-hmm. for, for Roland to continue on his journey. Um, and I don't like that because he's a very right. noble character and he's a kid who always does the right thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's a very empathetic character. But then I put myself in his shoes. And if I were hanging over the edge of a railroad track and looking at an abyss below me and I was poised to die, I would think, you know what? I came back once before. Yeah. Why couldn't I do it again? But. Hmm. I think that as an adult and Jake is, you know, 12 years old, so maybe he doesn't have the, 
he doesn't have that notion because he's a kid. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have mixed feelings on it, but ultimately I think because there's nothing to suggest it, I right. don't think that's the case. But sure. That's just a notion I had as I was watching, as I was uh, reading it mm-hmm. both, both times. Okay. So. Yeah. And uh, kind of an, another thought or another thing to bring up on that is that uh, you could also say that maybe the reason why he didn't think that or why it didn't come across in the text at all that he didn't think that other than Stephen King, not thinking of that (laughs) um, would be the idea that mid world to, to Jake would be kind of basically the afterlife or purgatory for him. Right. Um, Like even Brown even says to, uh, to Roland early in the book, he, when, when he stops at his place, that they might uh, be in the afterlife. Yeah. That it is the afterlife right? or it's hell. or Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just an, that's just yeah. a thought I had as I was reading it. And yeah. Something about Jake that jumped out to mm-hmm. me. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. who, who knows? Right. Um, um, I also wanted to draw on, I hate to keep harping on him dying so much. Um, <laughs> well, it happens enough that we can harp on it. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, his, uh, sort of ultimate sacrifice at mm. the end of the series where, he dies for, um, to save Stephen King, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to point out the fact that Stephen King loves to kill kids and he does it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I won't name the books he does it in, but he right. kills kids all the time. Um, it's, it's funny cause it's almost like, I, I kind of have to tiptoe around this, but it's almost like Stephen King doesn't value his child characters it's just like well i'll just kill this kid who cares yeah um but it's funny that he i think it's again notable to bring up that he it's almost like stephen king breaking the fourth wall and inserting himself into the books he has to sacrifice this kid for himself Mm -hmm. to save himself or whatever and it's it's just funny that he's putting such a huge significance on <laughs> Jake's final final death mm-hmm. in quotations um just in, in as it's almost like his penance yeah for for uh for not devoting his full attention to the series mm. um i think that's partially why he inserted himself into the story is because he's like it was almost like his after his accident, it was like his uh, his way of forcing himself to complete it, or um, mm-hmm. I don't know. And so I feel like it's almost like you know his his penance for for not for not putting his full attention to this and and getting this his ultimate story completed is that Jake has to die, I guess, and sure. Jake has to die to save him. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I don't the, know. That, just another thought I had: the punishment of not finishing the series in a in a timely manner and is having to kill jake essentially right but it's just funny because like he he'll kill this kid or that kid and it doesn't mean right. anything or whatever you know <laughs> and it's just it's funny that he chose that I yeah don't, i don't know it's just it's funny that insert stephen king into the story and a kid dies right <laughs> like that's yeah 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 um that makes me wonder and this is a small tangent and maybe we can talk about this at another time but i kind of wonder like given the very different feel of the of the of the series between the first four books and the last three um how there's that shift in tone because he cranked out those last three right and he included so much like weird 
crap in it. Mm. It kind of makes me wonder, like, I wonder if he, and I I have no idea if this is, if he said anything to this effect or anything, but I kind of wonder if, like, in his, like, when he had his accident, like, they pumped him so full of painkillers and all this types of, type of stuff that he had, like, fever dreams of, like, seeing the cot's head and, like, having Roland hypnotize him to (laughs) complete the story, like, I kind of wonder what went through his mind when during that during his recovery of the accident to make him write the, these last three books. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder myself. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yep. And to kind of go off of what you were saying about about uh, it being his penance for for <sighs> um uh, for waiting so long to complete the story and everything, I I kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know how everyone's going to feel listening to me say this, but I kind of love the way that that played out. Like I, ever since reading the first, reading it for the first time, um, I have been an apologist for Stephen King's insertion of himself into the story. Okay. Um, just because I think it's, it's kind of clever in a way. And it, it's, I mean, it's, it's deus ex machina to the fullest extent, yeah. but He's, he's a writer that's known for incorporating that. He even named, he even mentions it in the series itself. So I give it a pass, but I just think that it's an interesting way to bring, to bring the story to a close with him being part of it and being a part of, he's, he's the, he's the wordslinger. He's the person that's just delivering the message of Gan. But what I kind of love about that is, and what I love about the way that Jake dies is that there's already been established this kind of disdain between Roland and King. And I kind of feel like that was King's way. Again, I have no way of corroborating this. I haven't read anything to this effect that, that he has uh, mentioned this, but I kind of feel like that's, that was King's like King's interactions with, with Roland, like specifically the scene where Roland and Eddie visit King and uh, uh, he hypno Roland hypnotizes him and, uh, and, and, convinces him to complete the story like Roland has uh, this inner monologue where he just can't stand him he hates King <laughs> he's just he's he's like so disappointed that this is the man that's writing his story and that is that is responsible for their journey and everything but what I kind of love is the way that at the end of book seven or, or three quarters of the way through book seven when Jake dies I kind of like the way that <laughs> that from a storytelling perspective, from a narrative perspective, I like how that plays out because you have this character who has this disdain. You, okay. You have this man who is writing this character who has this disdain toward the man that's writing him and the man who's writing him's actions or inactions or un obliviousness to the world around him gets the characters like son as for all intents and purposes killed in a very tragic way. And like just the kind of, uh, uh, I'm what word do I want to use for this? The circular nature of that, the circuituity, that's not a word. No. Um, this kind of the, the way that that, uh, triangle gets, uh, comes to fruition or comes to a head okay. is just really fascinating to me because like I said, you have, this writer who the character hates um, and his life is in jeopardy and the character's son sacrifices himself so that the writer who the character hates can live and continue the story. I just, I just love that kind of thing. There's probably a better and and more uh, 
um, word good way <laughs> to to uh, to analyze it. But I just I love the way that that played out. Yeah. Yeah. I um I've actually I'm the opposite I've been I've been critical of King inserting himself mm-hmm. in the story I think it was I don't think it was a good decision I think mm-hmm. I would have preferred that he went, took it a different direction mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what that direction is though yeah. um but I'm not we'll the have word... to do a palaver episode where we yeah. just talk about that I'm not the wordslinger though he is so right. that would have been had to have been his decision but mm-hmm. uh, we're the potslingers yeah the potslingers <laughs> uh, I I've always been critical of it and I I don't appreciate that part of the series very much but mm-hmm. uh but it's not uninteresting it's not terrible i just personally don't care for it very much sure um, how do you feel about jake's situation with that regards to it yeah i it was the it was the best decision to make with in regards to that storyline okay if he's going to make the decision to insert himself into the story i think the gravity of that scenario playing out is very heavy gravity, you know, having, having Jake died as a sacrifice to save Stephen King is, that's the, if you're going to do that, that's the direction to take it because you need to make a, need to make a big statement in regard Mm -hmm. to that. If you're going to insert yourself into the story and, uh, and having Jake make that sacrifice was a really big statement. So if, you know, if that's the decision he had to make, then I, I think that was a, the right decision to take. That was the right direction to take it in, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it's tragic and and hard and sad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I I can definitely see your point there, and yeah. we'll talk more about King's fourth wall breaking. <clears throat> yeah. Um. In a, in a dedicated episode to it. Mm-hmm. Um. But let's talk a little bit about. We kind of skipped over this a little bit, but. Let's kind of, and we can kind of start to wind down a little bit, but, um, Jake's kind of coming of age in the Wolves of the Kala, um, mm-hmm. novel. So in Wolves of the Kala, he befriends Benny Sleitman, the younger, and he becomes, you know, he, that's his, really the first time in the series itself. It's like the first time that he gets to be a kid. Yes. Um, and that's, I mean, it's such a, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Like I, I absolutely adore the interactions between him and uh, Benny. Mm-hmm. Did I say Benny before? Or did I say Kenny? I think you said Benny. I think I did. I don't know. It's been a long day. <laughs> so anyway, him and Benny, it's such a great thing, which makes Benny's death all the more tragic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just informs so much on his character on Jake, um, that I, I just love it. That's his, that's his coming of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how did you how did you feel about the interactions between or the the friendship between Benny and and Jake and and your memory of how it affected Jake's um uh his interactions within the quartet It was it was a great way to uh shine a light on on who Jake was as a character because it's he isn't really, that's the first, like you said, the first point in Jake's story that we're exposed to that he like, he like makes a friend and mm-hmm. he like gets to be a kid. And it's, it's a, again, kind of a sad or tragic juxtaposition to see him being a kid, but then he's interpreting it as a gunslinger mm-hmm. or so he's, he has, su- he has such, adult or mature notions and thoughts 
throughout his interactions with Benny Slightman mm-hmm. that it's it's just kind of sad. It's kind of sad to see that he's he finally gets to be a kid, but he can't really be a kid because right. he has all these all these thoughts and these intuitions and his you know his use of the touch mm-hmm. um, comes into play so much that he's he he's privy to this information that he that allows him to not be a kid while he's being a kid, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, they're jumping out, they're jumping from the loft barn into the hay, like, yeah. which sounds like a f- amazing time. <laughs> Even as an adult, that sounds like a lot of fun. Right. Um, and he's just having these notions that they're, you know, having these conversations that they're climbing back up into the loft. And it's, you know, it's about Benny's relationship with his dad and what his dad does. Mm-hmm. And that, that allows the more gunslingery adult version of, Jake to come to some conclusions about how the town works. And it's like, mm-hmm. even when he's having fun, he he can't switch it off all the way. So. Right. But it is, it is charming at first. There's a lot of really nice sentences where it talks about Jake's laughter and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's very touching. And that's some of the more, the lighthearted stuff that I was trying yeah. to uh, reference earlier on in the episode. That's mm-hmm. it's, it's a ray of sunshine amongst the, the wolves you know um, right it's yeah it's 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 those are a lot of nice moments in wolves of the call and that's why the first time i read wolves of the call i didn't like it that much because i feel like it was such a huge departure from the story and it's you know it's like we're on this journey and it's just such a huge stop on the way and Mm -hmm. it's like it's five six hundred pages of this whole separate story that doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily have a lot to do with the main journey and I'm like, let's just continue on the journey. I don't, right. Let's not, let's not dwell in mm-hmm. Colorbrin Sturgis for two weeks or however long they're there. I Is think more I think like a month. I want to say it's two weeks to a month, which is not an answer at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I want to say it's cause I think that Andy gives them the, um, the warning is that uh, the wolves will arrive in 30 days. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I think. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I just, I love him being a kid. Yes. And also, um, that's kind of the point in the book where we also, or the series where we also get Susanna's um, possession, essentially. Right. And I like Jake's kind of reaction to that because he, cause like you said mm-hmm. earlier, he is, he's the one that's so in tune with Ka, mm-hmm. um, and the force. Um, <laughs> he's so in tune with Ka that like he can feel like when Roland and, and Eddie are keeping secrets about Susanna and how they're not addressing right. the problems and everything, he can feel the Tet starting to break. Yes. And that's just, I, I love that element to that character, to the character of Jake mm. is that he is so in tune with, with, uh, the bond that they share. Um, and it's just, it's, I, it's one of the elements of the stories that I really love. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then to kind of wind down a little bit more, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, him and Father Callahan in book seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go into the New York and then they go into the Dixie pig, um, to save Susanna. And it's, it's a great, it's a, gr- it's one of my favorite parts of the entire series just because I love father Call- Callahan. I think mm-hmm. he's a fantastic character. Agreed. And his, his interactions with Jake, it's like this, it's kind of this grandfatherly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
But it's also like Jake has this, uh, he has such a strong knowledge over Callahan because he's a gunslinger and he's kind of guiding him that way. And then the the final like kind of battle where Callahan sacrifices himself or he he dies is just such a great culmination of that of that kind of pairing yes um and as much as it's as much as it's kind of hard to to uh to read that the character is all kind of not disbanded but going off into their own different adventures for the for the final run of the story mm-hmm. um at least in the beginning of book seven and and the end of book six um it's satisfying the Jake and, and in Callahan story is really satisfying to me. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's an especially, uh, touching relationship or especially, uh, notable. I keep using that word, but a notable relationship is, and I think the reason is because Jake has this clairvoyance. He has the touch so he mm-hmm. can, he can read people's minds and he can, sometimes he does so without trying to, he just picks up on something, but he's not trying to pick up on it. Like when he picks up on Jay or uh, I'm sorry, um, Eddie and Roland being Mm. a little bit at odds over Susanna. Mm. Um, with Callahan, he's like, he's like an open book. Like when they got there, he just told them everything. Right. They told him his life story. He's like, I'm an alcoholic. Um, a bunch of people died because of my inaction or whatever. And it's like, I've been fighting vampires and I'm not a good person. And I was a priest and he's just like so open, Mm -hmm. like Jake knows everything about him. And so like Jake doesn't have to worry about what kind of secrets are lingering behind Callahan's scar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about it. It's just like, he's like, I know everything about this guy. And so it's like, he doesn't need to kind of keep his abilities in check, I guess. Mm. So I feel like he can, it's almost like Jake can be more of himself around Callahan or he can, it's just one less thing to worry about, I guess Mm -hmm. when he's teamed up with Callahan at the, at the Dixie pig. And that's, that's, that's exclusively something I just picked up on. It's not, Mm -hmm. again, I don't know if that's explicit, explicitly, mentioned in the text, mm-hmm. but that's, I think that's just a coincidence or a culmination of aspects of each character coming together mm-hmm. that I think makes sense. Um, and like you said, the whole grandfatherly thing, you know, yeah. he, Jake did not have a good relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Roland fills that, that, uh, that need and that, that role. Um, and I think, Callahan can also, you know, that's that's also part of that role can be filled with a, a grand grandfatherly relation relationship as well. So it's it's probably something that it's something that a young boy probably yearns for yeah. and, and needs. And Callahan certainly fills that role uh and and does so satisfyingly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was a great part of the book and Callahan, I think not to derail the conversation mm-hmm. about Callahan, but I feel like he was in search of Callahan was in search of a, a meaning to his life mm-hmm. or a meaningful conclusion to his life. Yes. I that's, think, a, that's a good way to put I it. I think he'd been ready to die for a while kind mm-hmm. of, or like, but he was waiting for something that was meaningful or uh, important mm-hmm. and he achieves that at the Dixie pig. So, yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. And kind of the last thing about, Callahan and we'll, I'm obviously we'll talk more about him in the future of the podcast, I'm sure. But, uh, I just <laughs> like one of my biggest, uh, 
critiques or criticisms of the of the of the series is that I I kind of wish Callahan would have shown up earlier for the, yeah. for the in the series true. and in the Cotet because he's like he's like the honorary an honorary member member yeah. of the Cotet. It's and he's he's such a great fascinating character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, I don't really have much else to say, and we're kind of running a little low on time. Yeah. Um, final final thought though. Um. One of the other things, this is a very light thing, but I like that his kind of weapon of choice is his father's Ruger. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that when he's in Midworld and, and they're in the, the like the Cotets together and everything, like you've got Roland with his revolvers and, and you know, you have all this kind of somewhat antiquated or, or Western style weaponry. And then you've got this kid with a Ruger. It's like, <laughs> it just feels like I love the meld of the modern and the, in the old fashioned. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yep. Um, any parting thoughts on Jake Chambers? Um, we didn't talk a whole ton about how he, in essence, he's Roland's son mm-hmm. and how that, that relationship blossoms and expands throughout the series. But uh, I think, I think for the most part, it's very touching because mm-hmm. Roland needs to be humanized. You know, he's, yeah. he's such a stoic and mm-hmm. uh, which is, a, you use that term with your, in your episode with Tony mm-hmm. uh, that he's a very stoic character. And I think that's a perfect mm-hmm. adjective. Thank he you. is very stoic and, 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 He's been through so much shit and he's so old that he's just kind of like over everything, I mm-hmm. guess. And, um, he's moved on just like Midworld has. And so he's, he's just so, he's so dark and bleak that he needs a bright spot, mm-hmm. uh, in the form of a relationship with a, a surrogate son or a spiritual son, if you will, that it, it, um, it softens Roland so much that it makes him that much more of an enjoyable character. And, that's all the result of Jake and, and how yeah. he, his relationship with him. And that's, it's a, it's a great part. Again, the, uh, to use my term from earlier on, it's a ray of sunshine yeah, amongst the darkness of the series. Totally. And like his, uh, his connection with Roland and everything, it's, um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Um, yeah, it's it, like you said, it, it definitely, uh, let not lessens, but it, it lightens the, character of of roland Mm -hmm. and that is something that's needed because in that first book i mean our introduction to him is massacring an entire town (laughs) and then later he lets a kid fall to his death right it's like you you need to soften him up a little bit Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah so um yeah i think that will do it for our uh discussion of of jake chambers uh the boy yes uh so yeah if you have any thoughts on jake or if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you want to that you want to uh uh let us know about feel free to give us an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com and uh next week tiny do you know what we're doing sleeping beauties no, that's after that. Okay. Um, as long as I can finish it. <laughs> um, no, next week is a going to be a special uh, kind of Christmas uh, present episode to our listeners. Oh, yeah. Yes, we are recording a commentary track for the Dark Tower movie. Yes. Um, I've owned the Blu-ray, and we're, we're going to watch it, and we're yes. going to talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because, like, I... I I think I tweeted that, or I think I just sent you a picture of it, but, um, 
the special features, like, and I don't, I don't know. One of the headings of one of the special features, like it's a feature that's, that's, um, has different chapters. And like one is, um, like through the keyhole or something. And then the next mm. one, like <laughs> the next one is worlds other than these yeah, or something. And I'm like, proofread at least proofread when you're doing this it's yeah. other worlds than these like yeah only one of the most iconic or get the scenes. reference right yeah yeah so yeah but anyway it's gonna be fun we're we're going to uh we're gonna have fun with it <laughs> yeah i think it'll it'll be an interesting experience and probably pretty cathartic yeah um so yeah so we will have that for you guys next week and yeah, uh, anything else we need to talk about? I don't think so. All right. Well, uh, in that case, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Yay! Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at Tower Junkies Pod or at Obsessive Viewer and at Obsessive Tiny. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tower Junkies Pod. For more podcast content from ObsessiveViewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at AnthologyPod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at TheSecularPerspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.